0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Psalms 138, verse 2. You know that this is healing week, and so we want to set the mood. We want to create the highway for God to move. And remember, the gospel is complete. First of all and foremost, we believe for those to be born again, washed in the blood. That is most important. That's absolutely essential. And we believe God for that. For people to be washed in the blood. And those who come and join themselves together with us during any service collectively and individually we should be believing the Father God for their ears to be open, their hearts to be receptive, their minds to, to, to focus in on what's being said, and the Word of God that's alive and active to just pierce their very hearts, convicting them and convincing them of sin, righteousness, and judgment and letting them know that they can be born again, saved, washed in the blood and enter into the family of God by their confession of faith in Jesus as Lord. And we also believe that Jesus is the same yesterday. Today, forever and always, and He never changes. He began a work upon this earth, we are told, and the work continues in and through the body of Christ today, the church. Isn't that true? We are the body of Christ. He is seated at the Father's right hand. He's living in us. We are His hands. We speak the Word. We give His voice access to this realm of life so that ears can hear it. We believe that He is still healing and delivering people just as He did when He walked upon this earth. We know that's true because He has never changed and never will. Still filling people with the Holy Ghost and power, enabling them to operate in a higher sphere of life. Isn't that glorious? Thank God we don't have to be confined and limited to this lower realm of life and lower abilities and talents and strengths. We can add anything that we possess in this realm of life to be enhanced by the power of God's might. Oh, thank God for this wonderful life. Thank God for this marvelous experience that we have in God. We're hooked up with God. What a joyful people we should be. We're hooked up with the Mighty One. What a privileged people we should be. A new species of being that never before existed. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, are you in Christ out there tonight? Then you are a new creature. A new creation that never before existed. A new species of being upon this earth. Boy, would that, would that, could the God that it would sink inside our hearts to let us know truly of a truth, we are a new creature, a new creation, a new species of being upon the earth. Filled with the life of God, full of God's presence and power. Hmm. Hallelujah. Oh my. Father God, we come before your presence now to study your word together. And as we look to your word, we acknowledge and we know that it's not intellectually learned, but spiritually perceived. And so, dear Father God, by Your Spirit, enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all things that pertain to life and godliness. Quicken us according unto Your Word. As an act of our will, we give ourselves to You in the ministry of the Holy Ghost to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to change us from glory unto glory, that we may be doers of Your Word and not hearers only. I thank You for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth of Your Word and the power of the Spirit that our faith would not be in the wisdom of men or human philosophy or any such thing, but in Your mighty power that raised up Jesus from the dead. Thank You, Father God, for these marvelous truths. In Jesus' name, Amen. Psalms 138 and verse 2. Well, let's read verses 1 and 2. I will praise Thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness. Why will he do all this? Why will David do all this? For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. There are those who in us to believe or have us to believe that signs and wonders are above the Word of God. And there are those, I would say, multitudes, who are not satisfied unless they have signs and wonders to pacify them. You'll find that there are also those, because of their earnest, yearning desire to have such signs and wonders, will give themselves over at times even to a wrong spirit. Because wrong spirits are very accommodating. Did you know that? And if we search after and seek after wrong things, they'll oblige us. There are those who say it's okay. Yes, we have the Word of God, but these signs and these wonders are what's most important. Well, beloved, that's not true. The Bible does not say that God exalted signs and wonders above His name. It says He exalted His Word above His name. I said that to one believer in council one time, and that person just looked at me, dumbfounded. Could not believe that that statement was made in the Bible. I said, it's there. It's in there. Good things in the Bible of God, in the Word of God, in the Bible. I said, just find it and you'll see. And we turned to that text, and that person was blessed. God really said that. Beloved, if we don't have the Word of God, then we don't have a basis for faith. Signs and wonders will take place without a doubt, but they take place because of the Word. In Mark 16, we are told, they went forth and preached everywhere. In verse 20, the Lord confirming His Word with signs following. But what about Acts 2? When all those signs and wonders took place and and that was spoken of and said. Well, it was the fulfillment of God's Word, wasn't it? Didn't Peter say, this was that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, saying? Yes, it was truly a spiritual manifestation, but it was the result of the Word. It was God, once again, confirming His Word, verifying His Word, demonstrating His Word, fulfilling His Word. It's all based on the Word of God. Sure, we want signs. Sure, we want wonders, and we should have signs and wonders, but... They are not to be placed above the Word of God. God's Word is first and foremost. Can you say amen? Amen. And then thank God that He confirms His Word with signs following. You see, beloved, our attitude toward the Word of God will determine the place that God Almighty holds in our lives. If we do not have a proper attitude toward the Word of God, God is not going to hold a very big place within our lives. There are many who have gotten saved, but yet fail to recognize the, the value and the importance of the Word of God. And therefore, they will not grow and develop, and God will not have a very big place within their lives. Sometimes people will say, well, well, how come God's big in you? Or how come you know God is alive and active in you? How come I can see Him so much in you? Beloved... It's as we act upon the Word. It's as we get the Word of God into our spirit. As we have a proper attitude toward God's Word to such a degree that we want to be filled with the Word that we fill ourselves up with God. God's words are spirit life, containers of spirit life. And the more of the Word of God we have in us, the more of God is within our lives. The Father is, is living with us, in us, in the measure that the Word is alive within us. Did you know that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why the Word should always be first place in our lives. God's Word is first and should be first place. There was a saying developed among the Pentecostals that the Holy Spirit has preeminence. Well, you know what? I thank God that the Holy Spirit does and should have preeminence in our midst. But make sure that the Word has first place in all that the Holy Spirit is doing. Is doing he is doing in line with the Word of God. The Word of God has preeminence that the Spirit of God may also have preeminence within our Circles. Amen. The word must have its proper place. Now, in, uh, what's God's at attitude toward His word? Well, He said right there that He has exalted His word above His name. Now, that's pretty high, wouldn't you say? He esteems it highly, does He not? Absolutely. He also said in Isaiah 55:11 that the word that goes forth from My mouth will not return to Me void. It will accomplish that which I please. It will prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So once again, we see he highly esteems his word. He said in Jeremiah 1.12, I watch over my word to perform it. And he also said in the book of Numbers 23, verse 19, that I'm not a man to lie, the son of a man to repent. If I said I will do it, if I spoke it, I will make it good. And God wanting to show us in a, in a definite way that we can trust him and believe his word said, he confirmed, his, he confirmed everything, his word, by what? Two immutable things. It's impossible for him to lie and he made an oath. He swore by himself. I'm telling you, God honors his word. And he esteems it highly. And we should have the same attitude toward the word of God. And if we will, then what will happen is God will hold a big place within our lives. Jeremiah said it this way in Jeremiah 15:16 that his words were found and I did eat them and they were to be the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Job said it another way. He said that his, God's words he esteemed more than his necessary bread. In other words, I need God's Word in my life more than I need to sustain my life physically through sustenance. Now, that's a lot to say, isn't it? See, beloved, if we want to have more activity as far as the Father God is concerned in our lives, then we need to have more of the Word and a better attitude toward the Word of God. Sometimes we'll have meetings. And we'll have manifestations. And we thank God for those meetings, times of prayer, spiritual manifestations, tongues, interpretation of tongues, gifts of the Spirit in operation. And we thank God for all that. And we need those kinds of services. But, beloved, we also need the teaching of God's holy written word. Amen. Do you know that? We need to have the teaching of God's holy word. Do you know why for the longest period of time the church has not gone forward and did not go forward like it should have? Because their attitude toward the Word of God changed and it was wrong. And there was an emphasis placed on spiritual manifestation more so than on the Word of God. And that's why. And then people were untaught. The younger ones were untaught in the Word of God. There was no strong foundation. And then people would take off on different tangents. And there wouldn't be any stability to their lives. Beloved, I believe that God wants us to get a hold of His Word. He wants us to know His Word has been tested and tried and found to be good, faithful, trustworthy, and true. We could depend upon His Holy written Word. It's as sure as the moon, the Bible says. When He makes a covenant, when He says He will keep it, it's as sure as the moon. That's what He said. In other words, just as everything functions and operates up there in the heavenlies, He says, and you know that's going to happen every single day, just as sure as you're going to breathe and have breath, just as sure as my Word will not fail. Thank God for His Word. And I'm saying all that because that's our basis for faith. If we're going to have strong faith for anything that we need from God, then we have to have a proper attitude toward the Word of the living God. So turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, if you would, please. And I want us to see that our faith can make us whole. Our faith can make us whole. Did you know that your faith can make you whole? No matter what the need is. And we're emphasizing healing because this is healing week. But remember this. It doesn't necessarily only apply to healing. It applies to every area of life. God's book is a manual, an instructional book for life. Did you know that? It's exactly what it is. And no matter what we face in life, there is a solution to our problem. There's an answer to our question. It's all found right here in the Word of the Lord. And it will have the proper attitude toward the Word of God, what we'll do is begin to find out what God's Word says about our situation. Then when we find out what God's Word says, we will plant the seed of God's Word within our heart, enabling it to to produce fruit within our lives. And that's what I want to talk to us about tonight. About putting our faith to work. Putting our faith to work. By finding the Word of God, planting the Word of God within our heart, and then putting our faith to work. We have faith, and you know what? God wants our faith to be active faith, alive, a living faith. Not dormant, not inactive, inert, just sitting there on the inside. We have it on the inside, but no expression. Didn't James say that faith without corresponding actions is dead? I don't want to have dead faith. Do you want to have dead faith, dormant faith? There it is. It's there, but inactive, inoperative, not producing anything. It's designed to get results. God has given all of us the measure of faith that enables us to do what? Faith is the substance. It is the ultimate reality, in other words, underlying every outward manifestation or change. That's what it is. That's what substance is by definition. Faith is the substance. It is the underlying. It's reality. It's the ultimate reality that underlies every outward manifestation or change. It lies right there at the basis. That's what it's all about. Faith, then, is something that is spiritual. It is a product of the heart, the recreated human spirit that comes from the Word of God that does what? It produces that which is necessary to create things in our lives. Spiritual realities, see, causing manifestations and changes to take place in this realm of life. Faith can do a lot of things, and we'll see that right here. So look at some things to consider here in this particular passage of Scripture, Mark 5:25, And I want us to see the importance of our faith regarding physical healing. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and suffered many things of many positions and had spent all she had was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself, that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her daughter, Thy faith, thy faith, something you have in your heart, your faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. And behold, of thy plague. I want us to begin in verse 25 and make note of some things. First of all, it says there was a certain woman. It does not say there was a special woman singled out by God. It doesn't say that, does it? Handpicked by God, some special person that God was willing to heal. It doesn't say that at all. It's not fictitious. This is an accurate account. This literally took place. Jesus said there was a certain woman. Or the word here says there was a certain woman. A certain woman. Just like any person alive today. Just a certain woman. Well, she had an issue of blood. Anyone who had any kind of uncleanness or... Contagious disease, according to the health laws that existed in those days, they had to be isolated until their condition was confirmed, whatever it was that they had. And after they found out what the condition was, they had to be separated and placed, in some cases, in a pest house. Away from all the other people. Now, I want us to envision this. I want us to see, here's a woman, if that, were the case, if that was the case concerning her life, that she had to be separated because of her condition. Because anyone who would come in contact with her would, would be unclean. Through touch, through sitting anywhere where she sat, touching anything that she touched, they would be considered to be an unclean person. And you know all that. So, obviously, she had to be separated from the people or they'd have to go through the ceremony, the ritual of of washing themselves to make themselves clean. They They were unclean until the evening and they had to do all these different things. But we see this woman in that condition for 12 years. 12 long years. Day in and day out. 12 long years. You think about that kind of a life. I mean, if you enjoy life, you enjoy coming into contact with people, don't you? You enjoy meeting people, talking with people, sharing with people, doing things with people. That's what life is all about. This woman was isolated. This woman could not come in that close contact with people. No one really could hug her unless they wanted to go through all that, all the ceremony and all that sort of thing. But remember, they were very, you know how they were back then. No one would touch her at all. Because the way they viewed it was different than what we do things today. People think that when, when a person back then had certain diseases, you know, that was God sent. They thought that it was, they were cursed under a curse and, and they were rejected by God and all that. I mean, that's how they felt when a person was sick, especially with leprosy or something like that. They were an outcast as far as God was concerned. See, they had no place. They had no rights. But that was her condition for all those years. So I'm saying all this to let us know that she has a lot of things going against her. And she doesn't have very much of a life. Well, it goes on to say that she suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. We hear the same scenario today. Just to let you know, she came into contact with certain physicians. I'm sure she had, you know, medical doctors, but I guarantee you she also came into contact with in her life with some of the other doctors that were there during that day. Like, for example, Dr. Sadducee. Do you remember Dr. Sadducee? They were the sad ones. Believe me, because of their beliefs. And they had no help for her. There was no hope for her as far as they were concerned. They turned their backs. How about Dr. Ceremonial? I'm sure she came into contact with Dr. Ceremonial and Dr. Sadducee and, and all the other religious things of the day. I'm sure she came into contact with some of those that believed in superstition. We'll call that one Dr. Superstitious. Listen to some of the things that they did. Number one, some of the remedies were these. They would drink herbs, certain herbs, that supposedly were to help her in that condition. But it didn't work. She was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Another thing was, and I'd like to see how they did this, it was through sudden fright. That's probably where, we, where they get this. If someone has the hiccups or something like that, you know, they try to scare them. <laughs> scare them away. Where did that come from? Not, there's nothing new under the sun. They did all kinds of things back then and, you know, they carry on each day from one generation to the next. Can you see someone hiding behind a tree to try to frighten her into health? I don't know, but the person to do anything to get healthy. Also, they had, now I don't know about this one, the burning of the new grapevines. The burning of the new grapevines. How they applied it or not, I don't know. But these are some of the things they did. Now, this one, I don't know about... I don't know how many practices, but they had to actually sit over certain ditches. Sitting over certain ditches was supposed to cure this issue of blood, this running of blood. So, they had all kinds of different remedies, but of course, to no avail, because she was nothing better, but she rather grew worse. And, of course, all the other doctors, uh, legality and and orthodoxy and and all that, Sadducee, didn't help her at all. Now, when she went to the medical doctors, of course, they frantically tried and did everything they possibly could to help her to get well and become whole once again. And they just couldn't help her. Because there are certain sicknesses and certain diseases that man has no control over and will never have any control over. There are not going to be remedies for every situation that we can encounter in life. And this was the case. There was nothing that they could possibly do. But they did help her spend her life savings. Now that they were, you know, able to do. And so she spent all that she had. She was nothing bettered. And she rather grew worse. What a scenario. Now she's not only sad. She's not only in a bad way. In a condition she can't, you know, be with people. Now she can't even buy anything. So she's just bad off, isn't she? She's not getting any better. It's getting worse. But I want you to notice in the next verse... When she had heard, beloved, here's where we begin to put our faith to work. This is how faith works. No matter how bleak things looked, no matter how bad they seemed or appeared to her, how horrendous her condition was, and I'll be quite frank about it, how steeped in it she was. I mean, 12 years is a long period of time to be programmed one way, wouldn't you say? But you know, if we can accurately hear of Jesus, once you heard of Jesus, and I think there's where a fault does lie today. You'll hear people say, well, why don't you come on to church because we're going to have a healing service and all that. And that's fine and, you know, and dandy, but listen to me. Beloved, make sure you emphasize who the healer is. Don't emphasize just, come on to church because we're, we believe in laying hands on the sick and all that. And I'll be quite frank about it. Don't put all that much faith and confidence just in a church service. Sometimes we're guilty because we're programmed wrong. I remember when I was in the mill, working out in the mill, and somebody had a condition. I mean, this, I walked up to this fellow, and, and he said, I said to him, I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going home. I said, why? He said, well, I feel the flu symptoms coming on me, and, I, and all this, and his stomach was upset, and, and everything else. And I, I just have to go. He was a brother in the Lord. Well, I didn't walk over to him and say, now, brother, we're having a healing service next Sunday night in our church. Mm-mm. She heard of Jesus. And I said to that person, I want you to know that Jesus can heal that. Whether or not we're having a healing service in our church was irrelevant. Right then and right there, I said, I want you to know that Jesus can heal that. And he's willing because he's the same yesterday, today, forever and always. Jesus is the healer. And I want you to see something here. That man heard of Jesus. Now, he was a Christian, that's okay, but he heard of Jesus right then. I didn't emphasize church. I didn't emphasize meeting or anything else. I want you to know that Jesus, and that's who we should be promoting. Amen. This is what we need to tell people. Put them in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. in His name and the power of His name. And He just looked at me kind of, you know, in a difficult situation because if you don't like work and you want to go home, it's a pretty good excuse to go home. But I said, look, Jesus will heal you right now, too. And I gave him the scriptures. Gave him Mark 11:23, Laid hands on him. In the name of Jesus. And you know what? Jesus healed him right then. Right there. Sometimes we miss out on the things of God and people are not, you know, in a place to receive because we are at fault sometimes. We try to put their attention on a church service or something that's going to happen over here or over there. Beloved, what about Jesus? She heard of Jesus and do you know what she did? Look, look at the rest of the verse. She heard of Jesus and came in the press and behind and touched His garment. She heard of Him and then went after Him. Now, of course, Jesus is here, and that's fine too. But the point is, she heard of Jesus. What did she hear? Obviously, she heard that there were those who were touching the hem of His garment, and when they did, they were made whole. She heard that. Faith cometh how? By hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. She heard, and what she heard was in line with what Acts 10 says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil. And I'm sure she heard this. She heard, there's a man, and we believe he's sent from God, whose name is Jesus. And everywhere he goes, people are touching even the hem of his garment. And when they come into contact with him, they're being healed of their diseases. Now, she heard that, and when she heard that, she heard of Jesus. She heard of the power. She heard of the healings. And when she heard that, now it says she did this. And why did she do it? Verse 28. Make note of this. For she said, I love this. She said. Well, Pastor Bill said, no. But you know, Mary told me, no. But John said, no. 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 See, very often there are those that when they come to church, well, why, why are you here? I'm here to get healed. Why? Well, what, what do you expect? Well, John told me, no. See, we miss it right there. We don't realize how these things short-circuit the power of God. Did you know that? Let's make sure that we effectively and accurately communicate Jesus to people and the healing power of God. Not church services, not other individuals. But Jesus has the answer. Put them... In contact with the Master is what we need to do. She said, why did she say? Because she heard that something was happening when people touched Jesus. And so she said, if I may but touch His clothes. She said what she was going to do. See, and very often we'll say, well, why don't you go and do that? No. Our part is to let them know about Jesus. There will be those that may not know what to do, but still point them to Jesus. Just like this woman was directed to and pointed to Jesus. There may have been those others who have heard, who heard of Jesus that didn't go after him. Did you know that? Oh, just another one of those fly-by-nights coming through. We've heard of them before. You know, the charlatans. We've tried all this and all miracle drugs and miracle this and miracle that. no. Something happened. And, beloved, I want us to know that the Spirit of God is there. When a person responds in a favorable way toward the Word of God, something takes place. The Spirit of the living God will begin to quicken faith inside the heart. She heard of Jesus and she made up her mind as to what she was going to do. She said, if I may but touch. She fixed her own faith. Do you see that? She fixed her own position. She established what she would do herself. Not someone else telling her what to do or she said. Prepared somebody. and And like I said, you know, they want you to tell them what to do. Beloved, our responsibility is to give them the word of God and point them to Jesus. And that's why so many make mistakes by telling them, well, why don't you go do this? Or why don't you go to and this is how I did or whatever. Beloved, we are to give them the word of God. I mean, tell you, when the Spirit of God quickens that inside them, they don't know what to do. She said, I'll touch the hem of his garment, and I will be whole. Make note of this. Confession is extremely important. It's essential to faith. She heard, faith came by her hearing, and then she said. So she said something. We know she did something. We know she received something. And we know that she told all that she did. But now notice this she said something. And what she said, she did. She said it, and then she did it. Here we have steps to faith. She said what she was going to do, and one translation says she kept saying. 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 How did she begin to put her faith to work? She heard faith come up by hearing? And she kept saying and she kept saying and she kept saying and she kept saying if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She kept saying. She kept saying. See, the doubt was not whether or not she could be made whole, but whether or not she could get there to touch the hem of his garment. If I may but touch the hem of his garment. That's all I need to do. She established her faith. I'm telling you, she fixed her goal right there. If I may but touch the hem of his garment. You know, it's just like she just eradicated the 12 years of misery. She just wiped out of her thinking all that she suffered in the past. She had only one thing that she focused her attention on. And what was that? If I may but touch the hem of His garment, I will be whole. That's what she focused her attention on. That was her goal. That was her highest ambition. I will touch the hem of His garment. I'll be whole. So confession is important to faith. She heard it and then she said it. And that's how it should be. She heard someone talk about it. It produced faith. And then she said what she was going to do. This is what I'm going to do. If you're doing or anyone else is doing what someone else tells them to do, beloved, unless it's inspired by the Spirit of God, unless the Holy Ghost has instructed you to say that to them, to do this or to do that, it's best to let that person act on their own faith. See, I can't tell you what to do concerning certain situations, and you can't tell me what to do or how to act concerning certain situations. So many will say, should I go to a doctor? That didn't seem to bother Jesus, did it? The fact that she went to a doctor, the fact that she spent all that she had, she tried to get help in all kinds of different ways. That didn't seem to bother Jesus when she touched him of his garment. It didn't, did it? See? But notice this. Those things didn't help. She was in a position where she needed the power of the living God. And man had no remedy. But she got her faith turned around in a quick hurry. And when she did, she began to speak it out. She began to confess. See, there's a negative side of confession. There's a positive side of confession. The negative side means we confess faults and and sins and, and all that. We confess our sin. He's faithful just to forgive us and cleanse us. But this we see the positive side of confession how many of you know there is a positive side to confessing God's Word? That confession is not only negative, but it's also positive. I want to show you something here. You're, you're close by there. Go on back to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. There was a positive side to confession or to confessing God's Word. And this I'm just going to give... Real quick here, just to show us what happens when a person, just like that person right there, confesses in harmony with the Word of God or agrees with the Word of God. Remember, Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Isn't that what it says? How can we walk with God like He wants us to walk with Him unless we agree with Him, which means agree with His Word? How are we going to know how to cooperate with Him if we don't know what He says? Well, obviously, we must agree with His Word because that's what He says. And then as we agree with that, we are walking with Him. Well, this woman began to confess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of God that He was anointed with. And she said concerning herself, if I may but touch Him, I'll be made whole. Now, notice in Matthew 10 and verse 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess Me before men... Him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. Now, if you read that over real lightly, you don't get a whole lot out of it. But if you really meditate and think it through, here's what you find out. When a person begins to confess the Lordship of Christ or confess Jesus, and Jesus is the Word, when a person begins to confess in line or harmony with the Word of God... Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. When a person makes that public confession before men, do you know what Jesus is actually doing? Right there in the throne room of God? Right there before the Father and the holy angels? He's confessing you. Think about the multitudes alive. And there's Jesus standing right there. And Bill says, I confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And Jesus is standing right there, sitting right before the Father. And He says, Bill... Belongs to us. Now that's personal. I said that's personal. That's exciting too, isn't it? To think that just because I confess Christ before men, there's Jesus right there. Confessing me before the Father. Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, and verse 8. And by that confession, I want you to know he gets the Father active in our lives. Did you know that? And this woman was confessing the Word of God. She was confessing the power that was in Jesus. She was confessing in in agreement with the fact that Jesus was sent from God and he was anointed with healing power. And she said, I will touch him and I'll be whole. And while she was making that confession, as she was locating herself in faith, activity was taking place, beloved. Heaven knew what she was doing. Jesus knew in Himself that virtue had gone out of Him. He knew something happened. Heaven knew she was making a demand upon God's ability. Look at this next thought. In Luke 12 and 8, Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess Me before men, him shall shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. And there are those that say, Well, confession has nothing to do with it. Well, beloved, when we confess once again Jesus before men, Jesus is making a public confession of us before angels. And if we had time to do a study here, we'd show you, by the Word of God, how angels then, by our confession, get involved with the affairs of our lives. In the days of Daniel, the said, angels said, I am come for thy words. These things happen. These things take place. But once again, I want you to notice, Jesus confesses you before the Father. Jesus confesses you before the angels. They know who we are. Wonderful. The Father gets involved. The angels get involved in the affairs of our lives because of our confession of the Lordship of Christ. And I might as well take it one step further. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, we are told to consider the high priest of our confession. Profession is in the King James, but it should be rendered confession, which means saying the same thing. And that means this. If we're to hold fast the confession... Why are we to hold fast to a confession? Because we have a faithful high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Correct? All right. Why are we to hold fast to public confession? Why are we to hold fast to a confession of faith in the Word of God? Do you know why? Because Jesus is the high priest. He is the one who watches over our confession. When we confess the Word of God, that Word that we confess is right there before the throne of God... Jesus is confessing us before the Father. He is the high priest watching over our confession, making sure that the Father hears what we're saying. See? He's the high priest of our confession of faith. And then you know what the Father does? You ready for this? It's is exciting. He then watches over His Word. To do what? To perform it. To make it good. See, there is a positive side to confession, but it has to be exposed. Her confession worked for her. For she kept saying, for she kept saying, for she kept saying. And there are those who say, well, why do you say that? Why do you say that? I'm going to continue saying that with this tribe, so I am healed. And we should continue saying that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Father, we've been redeemed from poverty, sickness, and death. Do you want to know how He satisfies us? How does He do that? With good things? By putting good words in our mouths. That's how He satisfies us with good, with good things. The Bible says a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. You say, what's so important about that? Well, you ready for this? Now listen. In Psalms 103, we are told this. He forgives all our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our lives from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies our mouth with what? Good things. Those are words of life. Why? That our youth... How's our youth renewed? May be renewed like the eagles. In other words, by putting good words in our mouths that we confess, that we speak and proclaim as being true concerning our lives... That's our public confession of faith. Jesus watches over that as the high priest of our confession. The Father God hears that. He's activated. Angels are moving. And I'll tell you what. Our bodies are responding as the Bible says that we control the whole body. Our bodies are responding. Our bodies are being renewed. If we believe food can renew our strength. If we believe medication can help us with renewed strength. Beloved. Why can we not word the most pow- believe the most powerful thing in all the universe, the word of God? Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, health to the bones. Why can we not believe that words will cause us to renew our strength like the eagles? Glory to God! Well, they can because the Bible said that His words are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. But see how that works. If we don't have that revelation understanding, then we stay in it for a little bit and then we give up on our confession of faith. I was a little side journey, but I thought it'd be very important to us. So we see here that this woman confessed her faith. She confessed what she believed. Now, some people of today would have walked up to her and said, what did you say? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. If I may but touch him of his garment, I'll be made whole. Well, how do you know that? You may not be one that he wants to heal. She said, "Well, I don't know about that. All I know is that he goes. He was going around, and those that touched him, they were made whole." I thank God she didn't come into co- contact with any of those that were so full of doubt and unbelief. They talked her right out of her faith. Aren't you glad that they didn't? That she didn't get in contact with those people? You know how easy it is to talk somebody out of their faith. Hast thou faith? Have it between thyself and God. Do you know why? Because the next guy over there will talk you right out of your faith. Did you know that? I'm telling you a truth. You shall believe in God for big and mighty things. I used to be that way. <laughs> I had someone tell me that. I was at a Bible study one day and I, and I was just preaching up a storm. You know, just, just sharing the truth of God. I was excited. Just born again. Just excited on fire. Full of fire. The Word of God was alive in me and I was proclaimed. these things from the books I was reading and everything. I mean, I was just on fire saying, I've been reading from the curse of the law. Go Christ, redeem me from poverty, sickness and death. I tell I've just been blessed and, and, and just sharing all these different things. Calm down. Calm down. When you've been in faith long as I have, you'll find out you lay hands on a the sick, they won't recover. That's what they would tell me. I'm, you know, in spite of it all. I mean, they're Lord. And sometimes I wonder how God works anyhow. How does He work? I mean, so many embalm with doubt unbelief. How does God do anything? It's a wonder that He does some things and, and is able to do some things. Jesus couldn't do anything in His own hometown because of their unbelief. Right. Absolutely. So, hast thou faith? Have it between thyself and God. Do it that way. Don't let people talk you out of your faith. It's like she didn't. She focused her attention. I'm telling you, she was a well-focused person. She established a word in her heart. She established her mind. She fixed the position of her mind and she said, One thing, I will touch his gun. I'll touch it and I'll be made whole. It doesn't matter what doctor orthodoxy said. It doesn't matter what Dr. Legalism believes about his hyper-legalistic view. It doesn't matter what Dr. Sad you see who wants to be sad anyhow says about his belief and anything else. It doesn't matter what what Dr. Ceremonial says. If I've got to be isolated, if I've got to be separate, no matter what I've got to do, I'm not concerned about it. I've tried all the doctors. I've tried all the physical doctors. I've spent all that. I have nothing at all to lose. My life is a waste. Here I am. I have no communication with people. I have nothing to Live for. I'm going to find him. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. And when I do, I will be whole. Would to God that more people would have that kind of an attitude. Glory. And I'm not talking about in pursuit of a man that even represents Christ. I'm talking about in pursuit of the Master himself. Yes, God uses vessels. But you know what? Let's get our eyes off the people. Let's get our eyes on the Master. Let's not forget that He is the one. It's the touch of the Master's hand. Let's focus their attention on Jesus. Yes, this is a method and a means, but you know what? You can make direct contact. You can just touch that live wire yourself. Absolutely. And so this woman said, I'll touch His garment, I will be whole. I'll touch His garment, I will be whole. And are you ready? Back over there in Mark's Gospel, in chapter 5, the 20th century uh, translation... 20th century New Testament translation says it this way in Mark 5 and verse 30, Jesus immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, someone has made a demand upon my ability. Someone has made a demand upon my ability. Someone made connection with my power. Someone came into contact with my power, with such faith, virtue went out of me. There were multitudes thronging Him. I'm sure they had all different kinds of attitudes within their hearts. Some were just spectators. Some were just, let's see what's going to happen. Maybe I'll be the lucky one today. I don't know what their attitudes were. I don't know what their teachings were. I don't know what they believed in their heart. But this woman was singled out by the Spirit of the living God. Was she not? Why do you think she's in the Bible? Singled out by the Spirit of the living God because God, our Father, wanted us to know that through personal faith, it doesn't matter how dim the situation or dark the situation appears to be, through personal faith, even when apparently God is not even watching. Jesus is about doing His business. See that? He's going to help Jairus. He's going in another direction. And against all and everything she had ever learned, violating even the health laws of the land, she left her position. She left her place. She rose up in faith. She was free from all the shackles and the bondages that she had learned all of her life and all the things that held her captive. And oh, beloved, she entered into a realm of faith. Beautiful faith, wonderful faith that made pure contact with the, with the power of the Most High God. And when she did, she was supercharged with that power. Someone placed a demand upon my ability. Not an arrogant demand, but a demand like if you plugged into an outlet. Just a demand, just to draw from. God, our Father wants us to continue. He never gets overloaded. Did you know that? We can plug in, but day and night, He will never overload. I'm, you can never short-circuit that power. You can never get a hold of too much of that power. There's so much available that if we just stayed hooked up to it, we probably wouldn't be able to pass out, wouldn't be able to minister. There's so much power for all of us, every single one of us. When waves of God's glory comes in, we see that happening. And when people fall into power, this is, God's just so powerful. But her confession was important. She heard it, produced faith. She said. First thing she did was said. She said it, then she did exactly what she said she would do. Not what someone else told her to do. What she said she would do. And she was inspired from within. Do you see that? That is so important. So, make sure that when you witness others and you say, Well, look, we're having a healing meeting or something like that. But first of all, make sure you say, Do you know that Jesus is a healer? In other words... Make sure you focus their attention on Jesus and let them know, first and foremost, Jesus is the healer, who is the same as today and forever. See to it that they make a demand upon God's ability, the power of God, and not on a human being to perform. That's important. Because, see, faith then can shift over into a man. Well, I was just trusting on your relationship with God. Wrong. Wrong. Never do that. I was just depending upon you being separated by you know to the Lord, and then you being filled with the power of God, and I was just going to come and you're going to lay your hands. All wrong, all wrong. No, look to God. Look to the name that's above every other name. Don't even see me. Don't even see the minister. Don't even see the person. Just see Jesus. Touch the hem of His garment. Make a demand upon the ability of God through your confession of faith and then do exactly what you said you'd do. And I've instructed people in this way, beloved, and it's been marvelous in results. Marvelous. Where people have actually experienced such a dynamic move of the power of the Almighty God by taking those simple steps. What simple steps? God's kingdom operates on the principle of seed time and harvest. Unless we are willing... First and foremost, to find the incorruptible seed of God's Word and plant it within our hearts, we're not going to get anywhere in God. Did you know that? That's how the kingdom of God operates. On the same principles of seed, time, and harvest. You plant the seed of God. You prepare your heart. You plant the seed of God's Word into it. You find out what God said because faith cometh how? See, if someone planted the seed of God's Word, the seed of God's Word is incorruptible. It will always produce results. We plant the seed of God's Word. And too often, many do not take the time or the initiative to find out what God's Word says concerning my dilemma. If I have a problem in this area of my life, go to the Word of God, find out what God said, because that is the seed, the incorruptible seed that must be implanted within my heart. So that it can, see there's potential there, it can produce life, it can produce fruit, it can produce results, but in a season, the potential is there, the power is there. But it's the condition of the heart that will determine the outcome, beloved. This woman, even though she had all that, was able in a short period of time to rid herself of all that because she had such a strong focus on the Word of God. She had such determination from within. I'm telling you, she was encouraged to the depth of her soul so encouraging, but then she was willing to give it all up Wipe it all out. Sometimes people have a hard time giving up their religious ideas and their religious thoughts and their religious ceremonies and all that. She did not care if Jairus was there, the ruler of the synagogue. She didn't care who was there, the doctors of the law, anybody else. She didn't care about hollering out, unclean, unclean. It didn't matter to who. Who was going to holler at her, scream at her, and tell her get back, get away, whatever? It. She dismissed all that. It didn't matter to her. She gave all that up in the twinkling of an eye. She said, it doesn't matter. All I want to know if he came from God and. I'll he did. I will but touch the hem of his garment and I'll be the next one to be healed. That's faith, beloved. And boy, she got a hold of it, didn't she? This woman was a live wire, wasn't she? She got a hold of that. And she stated her case, beloved. And I tell you, she got the results. But the seed of God's Word must be planted. And you start saying, and once again, see, this is why sometimes we're so careful because we don't want to say exactly what you should do other than you should get into the Word of God or tell others, get to the Word of God and find out what God said about it. Because whatever the problem is, God's Word is the seed that has the potential to produce the life that is necessary, the power that is necessary to make you whole. Hear accurately what thus saith the Lord. Put that Word and plant it within your heart. It'll be life to you. It'll become hell to your flesh if you'll only give it the time that is necessary for the plant to grow up. If you do that, get a hold of the Word. Put it in your heart, the seed of God's Word. Water it with confession of the Word of God. Meditate therein by day and night. Then you'll observe to do. Everybody say do. Notice she did. What did she do? What she said she would do based on what she heard. She did what she said she would do based on what she heard. God told Joshua, meditate the Word. Put it in your mouth. Say it over and over again. Why? That thou, thou mayest observe to Do. She did it. But she did it because she said it. She said it because she heard it. She heard it. She said it. She did it. We hear it. We say it. We meditate it like he told Joshua. And then we're able to do what? To do it. Too often men are saying, I just want to be a doer of the Word of God. But not really realizing how or recognizing how to become that doer of the Word of God. Unless that Word finds its place in our hearts and mouths, how are we going to do it? We will rise or fall to the level of our confession, beloved. And if we're saying bad things about ourselves, bad things about our health, bad things about our minds, bad things about our situations, our circumstances, our finances and all that, we're going to experience bad things. But when we start speaking out the right words, proclaiming the right things, truths that are good, good things, beloved, he says, your youth will begin to be renewed like the eagles. It does not happen automatically. It's not apart from our cooperation. It happens as a result of somebody getting a hold of the seed. A seed does not work overnight does it it has to grow in us and by our confession it grows it's like watering the word we water it it's watering the plant in our heart the word and as we stay in it the Bible says because we meditate for day and night then we'll produce fruit in our season oh it will produce fruit in our season we'll become see seasoned now's the time it's going to produce fruit the fruit of healing the fruit of deliverance the fruit of whatever that we need But, beloved, I just cannot express enough the importance of our confession of faith because that is the substance. It is the ultimate reality that underlies every outward manifestation and change. It is that what causes things to happen and we see exactly what happened to her. It was the substance of her healing, was it not? That's what produced the healing in her body. Jesus said so, daughter. And I like that term, daughter. You know why I like that? Because it it shows... It shows me this. If Jesus, Jesus could tell the woman that was bowed over all those years that, that because she was a daughter of Abraham, she should be free. And Jesus says, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. That means every single woman. It wasn't just because she was someone special. Singled out by God. Handpicked by God to be free. No. This woman was a daughter of Abraham. And every daughter of Abraham ought to be free. And that's what He was saying. Daughter... Your faith. Your faith has made you whole. He didn't say, daughter, my power. He said, daughter, your faith. What you believed, what you put in your heart, what you acted upon, what you did. And then the Bible says she had, she done, she had done this thing. She did it. See, she did it. She acted out her faith. And what was the result? See, we could just so sit, sit back so calmly and think, isn't that wonderful that she was healed? Beloved, if you were 12 years in that condition, you'd say it was more than wonderful. If you had no personal contact and interaction with people for a 12-year period and were unable really to have the kind of friendship and fellowship, what's life all about? To be isolated somewhere, separated from society? Is that what life is all about? Or is it, is it about having friendships and acquaintances and, 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 and fellowshipping together and sharing together? I mean, what's life all about? Can you imagine feeling so filthy and so dirty and so unclean that someone can't even come and hug you for fear? Well, obviously, if they did, they had to, be, they had to go through a ceremonial wash, all, all that stuff. So they didn't want any part of it. They couldn't. And then also consider to be an outcast because obviously you're rejected of God. Oh, beloved, it was a great day for that woman. That woman was free by the power of God. Because of her faith. If she could put her faith to work, you know what? I could put mine to work. And you can put yours to work. Beloved, if you're going to be talking to anybody about some things that will be happening here during our meetings on Sunday, point them to Jesus. If you're out there starting to say some things about what's going to happen to you and your body, don't look to man, don't look to anybody in ministry. Look to Jesus. Focus your attention on the fact that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. Focus in and then begin now making your confession of faith in the Word. Start speaking it out. Jesus, you redeem me from the curse of the law. You redeem me from poverty, sickness, and death. Father God, you sent your Word, the Bible says, and healed me and delivered me from my afflictions. Father God, I'm putting you in remembrance. God said, my confession puts him in remembrance of his Word. Did you know that? You said, put me in remembrance and declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Well, I'm letting you know. Now, you're saying, does God forget? Is that why He wants us to remind Him? Absolutely not. He wants us to be reminded. Amen. So that He has something to watch over, to perform. He works according unto His Word. If He said it, He'll do it. If He spoke, it, He'll make it good. Once again, our faith must be in the Word of God. And what thus saith the Lord, Amen. Keep it there, have high esteem regarding the Word of God. Act upon that Word. See Jesus as being the healer. His name above everything, And make your public confession of faith. And like I said, we do this with others. And they started saying, and then when I release faith. If, if you're focusing in on a healing meeting, Then start saying, when hands are laid upon me. You, watching over your word of performance. Will make me in reality every whit hope. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life